Hey guys, so I am so excited for this episode. Can't wait for you to hear it. Oh my god, it tingles everything. I just get so excited thinking about it. And I even gave you guys my weird, odd voice. I should do my ads in that odd voice. Anyways, so this is the time for the ads where I'm talking about Club IT, Intimate Times. They have been with me through all of this, that craziest shit that's been going on out there that we don't like to talk about very often. But it's amazing that I cannot wait for them to reopen. I hope they're part of, you know, the phases of reopening that we have going on right now because, oh my God, I need to go out dancing and I don't care if I have to wear a mask and I don't care if I have to, you know, bring the sour soothers myself. Anyways, I'm super psyched um, for this episode and listen up. Hello? Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Hi, I can. Awesome. How are you? I am so good. I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got it working because I was like, I don't know anything else besides getting a link. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. This is so much easier. I'm not going to lie to you. I have the amount of technical difficulties I've had lately, this is way better. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> All right. So welcome again, everyone, to Why Choose One. I'm super excited to be introducing this Wonder Woman on my podcast. She is the co-writer of a new book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. Now, if you remember, last week I had sex, sex with Dr. Jess on my podcast, and today I'm psyched to have this fierce woman with us. She is the co-founder of Sex Down South Conference and the Sexual Liberation Collective. She runs her own sexuality education company, Velvet Lips, studied sexuality for more than 19 years and has spoken around the world about the things that we're all here to listen to today. And she has educated more than 20,000 people, written over 200 articles, and she is on my podcast today. <laughs> This is Marla Stewart. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm sorry. My energy is just a little bit. No, no. <laughs> That's great. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> okay. So tell me a little bit how you found yourself here. What was the moment in your life that drove you to speaking about ed or educating about sex? Um, well, I would say it's probably a combination of moments, but more uh, the, the moment that really got to me was I was in college and I was studying human sexuality at the time because I always had a fascination for the subject. And I was dating lots and I was having lots of orgasms and which were amazing. And then I was talking to my friends and my friends weren't having orgasms. And I just thought, that's a problem. Like, why aren't you having orgasms? Right. We're like, you know, it's college. We're having the time of our life. You know, they should be having orgasms. So um, I really was uh, focused on like, hey, we need to we need to get you to have these orgasms because orgasms are amazing and really great and you need to experience them. So that is pretty much how I um, came together with my um, or what I wanted to do. I was just like, I need to help you know, women have orgasms. And in particular, I was thinking also just about people in general, like what are the things that they can do to better themselves to help people to have orgasms? So that is pretty much how I got started into it. And I didn't start my business until I uh, came to grad school. So, um, but the idea was definitely there um, in college. 
Dang, that is that is a really good story, actually, because how many girls like I even I went to college and when I went to college, you know, talking about sex was even kind of like a weird taboo thing. And nobody really ever talked about orgasms except for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so one of my passions um, is women who freely speak about sex. How do you get through the difficulties of being a woman who speaks about sex or like the objectification of what happens when we speak freely about sex? Well, I, I think it's, um, it's interesting. I, I feel like I don't necessarily get the objectification of it. I mean, I definitely think there are some people who are like, you speak freely about sex, so you must think this, or, you know, they make assumptions. Definitely. Um, but I really, um, for me, I've always been open about talking about sex because my mom was always open, uh, about talking about sex. So I think it was just part of the environment that I grew up in and I, um, you know, being comfortable and trying to be comfortable in my own skin, um, with regards to sex. So it was already kind of there, but, um, you know, I think there's always the assumptions that people make about you because you, you know, talk about sex all the time. <laughs> um, you know, some could be right, some could be wrong, but I think what's um, what's really, I guess what's really more important um, is just how, you know, you view yourself and if you keep pushing on and doing the things that you need to do to help people with their sex lives. Because I think that only, as more as long as you are authentic and aware around your own sexuality, that's when you can help people to be authentic and help them be more aware of their own sexuality and what goes on with their bodies. So, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. That's so good. I feel like after you answer any of my questions, I'm just gonna be like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> just another exciting moment for me as I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> Okay, so what is something you can suggest for fellow women listeners who are just learning to speak freely about themselves? Well, I think you try not to edit yourself. You know, I think what happens, especially when you're socialized as female, is that you edit yourself because you are um, socialized into people pleasing, right? Making sure that everybody's okay. And we usually uh, prioritize other people over ourselves. And so the first thing is just, you know, uh, understand that you should not be, you know, try not to people, please understand like what's going on with you and really taking care of yourself, right? I think when we take care of ourselves, that's when we have the ability to take care of other people. So putting ourselves first, um, understanding our own sexuality, understanding, you know, what it means for us to, to, to be in this world. It's just kind of, um, we, we just need to unlearn those things that, you know, we have been socialized in doing. Absolutely. You know, there's a certain, like, like, I feel like people constantly try to people please, especially during sex, you know, like it becomes less about um, like some, like, so for example, a lot of women who just only have sex until the man comes right. kind of thing. Right. And then it becomes more of a like a, a, you're pleasing that person instead of you're pleasing each other. Yeah, exactly. And then that's how that orgasm gap happens. And then, then people come yeah. and see me in their 10 years, 20 years in their marriage. And they're like, well, you know, I've never had an orgasm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like that could have been tackled before you got married. Um, <laughs> for me, preferably on the first date. 
but you know, <laughs> it's one of those things that like, Hey, 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 now you need to, um, I always, I really love, um, Dr. Um, Ian Kerner's book of she comes first, you know, it's like she comes first when you're in that sort of dynamic and you know that, you know, uh, you know, a man um, can always get off. It's really um, important that you uh, take the power um, and understand that you need to have your orgasm first. Um, so I'm very much a proponent of just like get your orgasm first and then you can do the people pleasing, but make sure you're satisfied yeah. first. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So do you think that opening the topic about sexual fr freedom enhances someone's life? Oh yeah. Because when you start talking about it, then that's when you can come up with new ideas, you know, when you can start, you know, inquiring into other people's um, the way that they do, you know, sex and sexuality. And I think, you know, my friends, you know, they are my friends, but we talk about sex all the time and probably because this is what I do and I'm always bringing <laughs> something up. But also it gives you, it helps you to form, you know, get ideas about like, what are, you know, what are people doing in the bedroom, right? And I think yeah. sharing ideas helps people to spice up your sex life, right? And not to say that you need to go ahead and copy everything that your friends are doing or whatever, but I think it's always good to be curious uh, around sexuality. It's always good to um, really get in touch with, um, you know, uh, different sources or, you know, help, like always be educating yourself on sex and sexuality. So um, I think that can only enhance your sex life because you always have tools in the toolbox. You know, you can always bring out something if you're bored or, you know, you keep doing the same things over and over again. You can always, you know, go into that toolbox and say like, hey, let's try this or let's do that. And I think talking and having that conversation enables you to, to be communicative and, and talk to your lovers about, you know, sex and, and all the things that you can do with your bodies. Yeah. Okay. So since we just talked about that, I really think this is a great way for my fans to know what's in your toolbox. What is the kinkiest thing you've ever done? <laughs> oh gosh. So, I mean, it depends on what you think. Kinky. <laughs> <laughs> well, girl. I mean, so there's a dot, dot, dot. I know. Right. <laughs> so the kinkiest thing I would probably say that I've ever done, I mean, I've done a lot of so-called kinky things, but I, I guess the thing that probably would scare people off the most, I guess that's what I think of when I think of kinky. <laughs> um, the thing that I think would scare people the most was I did a, um, a pussy torture scene at Sex Down South uh, last year. And it was really fun and amazing time. And I um, I was able to negotiate a scene where um, I got this woman in a sex in a sex swing, and I was able to use my violet wand um, and lights and medical staples and <laughs> all sorts of uh, fun stuff. Uh, clothespins, you know, all of those things to, to heighten the experience. So um, I would say that's probably the kinkiest thing I've done. That's really awesome. Honestly, most of my fans have like, I've done BDSM podcast or episodes on my podcast. 
they have heard some shit. Okay, great. So, <laughs> like, so I don't know if I'm going like to right people up, up there. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a Tuesday. That's a good day. <laughs> I like vaginas. <laughs> okay, so, okay, one more. What is your favorite sexual experience? Mm. Gosh, my wife would kill me if I told you all, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was <one. laughs> uh, no, she's probably used to this by now, or she doesn't even listen to these, so she doesn't even it doesn't even matter. Um uh I would say my most sexual experience, one of my most sexual experiences was um when uh, my wife and I we were having sex but it was so like in a it was very you know it's it was almost sort of tantra-esque meditation-esque but like really hard core like raw and carnal and you know she was fucking me with her strap on and it's like when we sort of got out of the the days um the bed was on the all the way on the other side of the room and our poor dog Roxy was trapped in the corner no. <laughs> like like scared to death but uh, <laughs> that's probably one of the most memorable experiences just because it was very um I don't know just otherworldly and uh but then coming out of the trans it was just really funny and you know it's a really funny experience so yeah that is an excellent story yeah like <laughs> that poor rock I know right <laughs> she's like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. Okay. I it's like since we're on the topic of also some BDSM topics. Um, I said topic twice, that's cool. <laughs> um it's it's difficult enough to talk to friends or family about being like non-monogamous or a swinger, but how do you tell people that you're into kink? Oh, the same thing if you tell them if you're not monogamous. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like, you know, I, like I, I you know, I I feel like I'm definitely privileged in the sense of I have the ability to be out about who I am and all the things that I am and the all the environments and populations that I go into and work for and work with. And I um, so for me, coming out as kinky is is it was easy. You know, um, it I've been coming out my whole life. Uh, you know, I came out, I think, as bisexual when I was like 16 and then came out as queer at 21, came out as non-monogamous, like my mid-20s, you know, you know, it just kind of, my mom was just like, you know what, whatever. It's just like one more thing added on, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, for me, it's just, you know, it's just like, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is what I like. If you want to hear more about it, you know, ask me some questions. Otherwise, you know, I, I'm only really into giving people information if they ask. Otherwise, I, I'm kind of quiet um, otherwise um, because I love listening and love educating myself and love learning about other people. So um, so when it comes out, it comes out. But yeah, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm a part of a kink group or a leather family called the Onyx Pearl Southeast. So it's like, 
kink is a part of me. It's a part of my lifestyle. It is, you know, my wife is totally not necessarily, and she's into it a little bit, but, you know, but she often is, you know, filming me or, you know, <laughs> taking pictures or, you know, she's being supportive in the best way she can. But um, uh, I think it's always just best to just come on out and be authentic because once you're authentic in who you are, then nobody can shame you for it. Um, and I think that's one of the most so powerful inspiring. things that you can do for yourself. Absolutely. I'm also in the leather community. So this is just, you're just speaking to my soul yeah. right now. Like, I don't even care if we're recording an episode. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So speaking of our community is this is okay. A little bit of a political mm -hmm. question, but our, our community in Canada has really kind of dropped off in numbers, especially our events due to some reporting of non-consensual situations. Mm. There is like this intensity around the scene because people being afraid to play without some kind of reprimand these days. And my question is, is do you think that this is happening because of those um, speaking out movements or like the social justice warrior argument or the Fifty Shades of Grey kind of people coming into the scene nowadays that don't really know what's going on? Mm -hmm. or what so maybe, um, can you describe it a little bit uh, more for me? Because you said like there's some intensity about the scene, people not coming out. Is it because like the scenes are really intense? Like it's like past 101 or is it because like somebody's harassing or like what is it, I guess, what's the situation? Like like it's more like so like when I say this like this scene it's it's like uh, the whole community as a whole like are like everybody's just kind of a little bit um tense and nobody's really wanting to play with like new people and and then now it's become a very like clicked environment mm. where people are only doing like private play nobody's really going to public dungeons anymore you know it it's become more of a like everybody's just kind of cold shouldered the scene and the community about all of it because of the dangers associated to it. Yeah. So I think there's, I think there's some incredible tension happening, especially with older generations and like the millennials and Gen Z's. Right. So I think something, uh, the tension within the kink community is really, you know, old guard, new guard kind of thing. And I exactly. think the sometimes the inability for um, folks who have been playing for a long time, like I've been, I've, I've been doing kink as long as I've been studying sexuality. So I think it's been like 19 years or something like that. Oh my gosh, almost 20 years. I'm, I'll be 40 on Thursday. But <laughs> you should celebrate that. But <laughs> you know, like it, it's it's one of those things where when, you know, now that Fifty Shades of Grey has come out and people are starting to venture in, they kind of want to get into their own thing and they really aren't doing sort of the research or how to be safe or taking the, you know, the workshops or the classes or going to the munches to really understand sort of the ins and outs of kinks. And so um, when you don't take that approach and you don't know what's safe and what's not safe. And so I think that probably, you know, has people a little bit timid um, in probably, you know, in playing and then, um, yeah. And then wanting to play with new people, like, it's one of those things where you have to like, it's like, you have to vouch for someone. I know here in Florida, 
um, there's like, you know, people are like, you, um, you cannot come into this play party unless you go to this munch and then you can get vouched by this person in order to into this party. Mm -hmm. And so there's so exactly. many barriers um, that stop people from um, actually, you know, figuring out that they might be kinking or figuring out, you know, discovering things for themselves. And I think that can be, that can hurt the kink community because then we, we aren't allowing people to embrace uh, the uncomfortable, the awkward or the new. And um, I, I just think it's in, I think it's important for, uh, to, for, for people in general to have access to those, you know, 101 or beginner spaces um, and having people who are supportive of that and can teach people those things. So, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I think. I, th I just think it's a tension between, how, you know, how, how long people have been playing versus how long people have not been playing. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I came at a really good time. Like, I was brought, like, I was, when I first started, I kind of experiment. like, I was, when I was experimenting, um, I actually met someone who was old school old guard and taught me everything mm. so I had a very biased opinion and then when a lot of people started you know talking about 50 grades of Shay shit I was like <laughs> you guys are doing it wrong <laughs> like that doesn't right. <laughs> yeah and then you know so, some, yeah I think yeah and some people I, are are doing it because they want to spice up their sex life because they're bored right as opposed to yeah. sometimes when we get into kink, we are doing it. I mean, people are doing it for a myriad of reasons, um, but some people are doing it as healing. Some people are doing it not only for a different sexual experience, but just for a different experience in general and testing our limits and boundaries with our bodies. And so, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, people get into it for healing reasons. There are all sorts of reasons that people get into kink. And so, um, that also might be tension too, right? Like, is this a way of life or is this just, you know, your Saturday night kink, you know, cause you, you know, <laughs> you want to get into something freaky, you know? <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a big part because people keep wanting to have these big life experiences. And then, you know, when it's some people who are just trying to enhance their sex life and then they end up at a crazy intense dungeon and they're like, Oh, I suppose this is how we do it. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. Like I'm thinking about that and thinking about like at Sex Down South, um, uh, King Noir Jet Setting Jasmine and I had a dungeon party, and with the dungeon party, there, you know, people were calling Jasmine and they were like, "Oh, you're trying to emulate, you know, Candy, the Real Housewives of Atlanta, right? The, the dungeon tour or whatever, which was nothing but like a concert." Um, it, it wasn't an actual dungeon or anything. And we're like, uh, no, we're actually real kink players. Like we are going to teach you things and then we're going to play. This isn't some commercialized version of Fifty Shades of Grey. This is our real life <laughs> and this is what we are doing. And if you want to join us, then you can actually see what a dungeon looks like and what people actually do in a dungeon. So, yeah. Right. That sounds amazing. I, I really want to go to sex on, or um yeah. oh my god SDS I keep saying the wrong thing so I, <laughs> yeah. I know people are like sex down under <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's the first thing sex I want to say the like there's like there's some kind of male strippers I'm sure with the 
uh, same similar name. I feel like, <laughs> like six down under, under down under. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, all right. So I also want to talk about um, your business, Velvet Lips. Um, what do you offer people? Yeah, there? so in my business, Velvet Lips, it's a sexuality education business, and I offer people um, business or business uh, sex coaching. Um, to help people build up their sexual confidence, helping them with their communication skills, enhancing their sex skills and seduction skills, just really trying to make sure people are going in their relationships with all the equipment and tools that they need to, to, to be really great lovers. And so um, I give workshops, I give uh, live online classes, um, and then I also have workshops or individual coaching or private coaching that you can purchase, um, as well as, um, I'm, I'm always going to different events, you know, besides the whole COVID thing. Um, I, I travel a lot. So a lot of times I will get booked a lot in different cities, um, present at different sex shops around and, um, or I book private sessions, um, you know, the swingers love me and the non-monogamous, the non-monogamy people love me. So, um, I tend to, um, book a lot there, but I even do private sessions too when I'm out of town. So it really just depends. And for the most part though, when I'm not traveling, I'm between Atlanta and South Florida and I have uh, clients there, but I also see people virtually, um, all around. So, um, that's also a possibility as well. Wow, that's incredible. What I would do to have that. <laughs> you can. That is goals. It is possible. Is you know, it's amazing, actually, in Canada, there's like next to no education for like becoming a sexologist. You pretty much just have to become a psychologist that specialized. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, when yeah. I first was getting my degree, there wasn't many sexuality programs. I mean, I think my school had just started like a master's of human sexuality program. So I think it was, it was fairly new and this was like what, 98 or so. So, you know, it, wow. it, this was a long time. So I think, you know, now they have like Widener and, you know, university and other schools and programs that are offering human sexuality programs, which are great. Um, but yeah, I got my BA in psychology and I had to minor in human sexuality just because I could not, because um, there weren't just a lot of programs that, that actually offered, um, you know, offered the advanced degree. I, you know, I really got to spread my wings and find out where I can go Because <laughs> maybe I just have to go somewhere to get a master's in human sexuality. That would be <laughs> Anyways, okay, sorry. Um, um, so where do you draw your inspirations from the work that mm, you do? I draw my inspirations from the people, from, you know, I, I draw my inspirations from, you know, people who are struggling with their sex life. I draw my inspiration from people who are really, you know, needing help, needing care, um, really wanting to better themselves, you know, um, as a person with higher sex drive, I can relate to people who have high sex drives and have partners who have lower sex drives. So I really try to, um, you know, 
people, the, the folks are my inspiration. People are like, Marla, you need to do a class on this or on that. Or I heard you talking about this. How come you don't teach a class about that? So that's why I have so many freaking options for workshops because I'm like, oh yeah, well, I can talk about this or I can talk about that. Um, but uh, uh, I, I really think that you know, hearing people, hearing people struggle on, you know, their sexual confidence, especially if they've been in a long-term relationship and they're not feeling really great or um, folks who are in non-monogamous relationships who are struggling, you know, with getting their, um, getting their relationship foundation set. Um, so, it, you know, I, I really draw my inspiration from, from the people and the people who aren't having orgasms that I'm like, come on, yeah, the people, the people. And I'm, I'm really, I, I think, it, and it's, and I think it's clear too, just thinking about in at Sex Down South, how we really center, you know, queer and trans folks, how we center disabled folks, how we center sex workers, how we center, you know, folks who have been in the, the margins, you know, and I think, um, it's really important for me, you know, to center folks of color, to center, to center the people who have been uh, not looked at within um, within the sexuality industry. I remember when I did my master's thesis, I was the only person that talked about um, folks of color who were swingers, um, polyamorous, and kinksters, and you know. I was just like, wow, because this just was not a lot of research out. There was very, very minimal research. And so um, I think it's really, really important um, that folks who are marginalized to see themselves in these communities and, um, and, and for it to be noted. And yeah, so, and I think there's a lot more now. It's definitely a lot more that you see a lot of um, sex therapists who are focused on non-monogamy or focused on folks of color, who are focused on sex and who are really understanding the intersections of all those different um, identities. So that is very, very important to me as well. That is incredible. That's it's, it's so <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <I can handle> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> okay. So how do you think society as a whole really struggles to be more open about like talking about sex or polyamory or kinksters or swinging? Well, even? I think part of it is because it's not normalized, right? I mean, you know, it is, well, it's, it's starting to be normalized, but it's still pretty taboo, right? Like when we see shows that say that have like, non, you know, non-monogamy shows, it's like scary, right? Or when you see people who are like, I have 18 wives and that is just like, you know, foreign to people in the West. It's kind of, um, it's really, um, it, it, it has been demonized, honestly. And I think part of that too is, you know, uh, through religious doctrine, I think um, it has been taboo just because uh, there are a lot of laws that are against, right, those things. And, you know, in order to, for something to be normalized, it's going to take time, it's going to take policy, it's going to take really um, major cultural shifts uh, for people to understand that, hey, this is normal. I mean, think about it. We just, I mean, here in the US, you know, we just got, you know, same sex, you know, marriage uh, or marriage equality, what, like 2015? So, you know, that's five years ago. <laughs> 
um, <laughs> thinking about what it would take for laws to be in place around, you know, polyamory or non-monogamy, that is going to, woof, you know, that's going to take, that, that's going to take some time. And then to think about also kink too, right? Like, how are you going to go to a doctor and you have all these bruises on your body and the doctor is going to be like, I, I need to report something, right? Like, how do you explain to your doctor? Like, Hey, no, 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 no. I was just, I'm into kink, you know? So I think they're, Right. I've had that. Since yes. And I think it's important like to have like a space like kink aware professionals um, so that you can say, oh, hey, this doctor is this. And now we have telehealth. So, you know, that uh, now it's an option to be like, <laughs> hey, I, you know, these are the things that are happening to me and, and they won't look at you sideways. Um, so, right. You know, I, I think up until we have we, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey definitely, you know, helped a little bit as far as the kink and normalizing it a bit. And I think uh, Dr. Justin Lee Miller's uh, book, Tell Me What You Want, definitely has is helping to normalize how people want to bring in additional people into their relationship. Um, and so there's I think bringing people first into the sexual relationship is going to be first and then and then once people sort of normalize that, they'll be like, okay, well, maybe people can marry more than one, or maybe there's, uh, you know, options for people to love more than one. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Have you seen, um, uh, gosh, what is that? The Professor and something, The Wonder Woman. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the name. Oh my gosh, oh, it's this film it about the maker of Wonder Woman. And you have to see it. It, I mean, it made me cry. But in real life, you know, he he had his wife. He was a college professor, and he had his wife, and they basically fell in love with their intern kind of thing. And the intern fell in love with them, and um, you know, they had so many troubles of their non-traditional family. Um, and, you know, they had kids and everything and just it, it, they go through some hardcore struggles. But it was it's a really good I thought it was a really good movie, really well made. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like I'm really like, literally making. Yes. Yes. <laughs> please find it. I'm all like um, I, I, I know I got to I'm like, I got to look it up like right now. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm like, I got to the Professor and Wonder Woman. Oh, no. Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Oh, okay. Yeah. Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Anyway, so good. So good. Everybody should see it. I don't own any stock in it or anything like that. I'm yeah. just saying it's a really good movie. <laughs> right. I really feel, I have a stock. Just quickly. Just quick. <laughs> However that works. Good at all that. <laughs> okay. Um, so a little bit more of a kind of a tense, uh, subject, but, um, I know there's a lot of women who have sexual, sexually mm -hmm. related trauma. What do you recommend for someone who places, plays, sorry, who plays a little too close to home? Like, for example, people who role play their trauma. Um, I think as long as they feel that it's healing, I think it's okay. Um, and I have a colleague who um, role plays um, the sexual trauma that they had from their father. 
And that feels healing um, because unfortunately, um, when we have childhood sexual experiences, our, our first sexual experiences, we, we are, I don't know how to say this, sort of like more or less attracted to, or it's a thing that we learn how to be sexual beings. And so sometimes when that happens, um, we have people who are, um, who like to replay that, even though they're fucked up, you know, power dynamics, um, but replaying them in a way that allows them to have that consent, right? Allows them to role play it in such a way that they are, they now have the power in the situation. And I think that can be really, really healing for people. Um, but, um, I, I, you know, it, it all depends if you're uncomfortable with that, or you feel like you can't go there. I think you, you know, then don't go there. You don't have to go there. Um, but I definitely think there, there is a healing aspect for some people with regards to role playing, uh, power dynamics and replaying, uh, sexual trauma in their sex life. That is, couldn't be, couldn't be better <laughs> put. Because I think, um, so I have one of my episodes is, is a chapter I'm writing from my book. And it's about um, consent and um, how I lost that ironically through this similar story that you just said about uh, my father mm -hmm. abusing me as a child sexually. So, but replaying that has given me back my consent, my power. And that was kind of a personal question, but you yeah. <laughs> it makes it feel like, I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, what you, what, you know, the, the power, the consent, I think that's the most important piece. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of people bury their stories and um, when you replay your stories, you know, replay, replay, replay. Um, you can, it, it helps you to sort of build up that resiliency, um, you know, around that, around that, um, you know, traumatic, um, sexual experience. If it was traumatic, some experiences aren't necessarily traumatic, just fucked up power dynamics. Um, so, you know, yeah. understanding that too. Oh, I'm, this is such a good podcast <laughs> over and over and over again. Okay. So I also want to talk about sex down south um i really want to go so if i'm okay i don't know much about it i've done some very little research what can people actually yeah so sex down south is so much fun you know it's my baby so um it is uh three <laughs> days uh in atlanta and it's sex and sexuality classes so you're just learning about all sorts of things we have about probably 10 to 12 workshops running at the same time. So you have a variety of classes that you can choose from. And we basically learn during the day. We have some things in the morning, some morning exercises. We usually have like naked yoga or um, some fitness classes. Like um, I know Jasmine has done her like still in stilettos class. And um, there's also some other like BDSM kink fitness class too. <laughs> Um, so there's what? like, oh you know, God. those things and there's like, we have film. So we have films, podcasts that come out, um, lots of photographers and people just wanting to document. We have vendors, um, from everywhere. 
and we have and a lot of local vendors so not like huge like big vendors. we have some big vendors like big you know sponsorships but um for the most part these are like smaller small business vendors that you can help support and then we also have um and we have fun and we party at night so we have entertainment at night we have um this year we'll have the air sex championships that will be happening um We'll have um, the dungeon again this year. Um, uh, I'm hoping <laughs> everything we are setting our deadline by uh, end of July. So if if things, you know, we'll have an answer for everyone by the end of July. But for the most part, it's supposed to go on. Um, and we have so, yeah, we have the dungeon. We have a healing space. So if people are, you know, uh, feeling triggered or just want some energy work done or, uh, you know, want a therapist, we have therapists that are on call um, that you can go to for free. And you yeah. and we also have, like I said, the healing room. So you can get a massage you can get Reiki. I don't know, acupuncture. I don't know, your cards read, anything, whatever, whoever is in the healing room at the time. Um, and then I think that might be it. We usually have a, like a mix and mingle where you can mix and mingle with the sex celebs, um, off of the hotel site. And we, um, we bus everybody over to wherever we're partying at. And then, um, so people can meet and talk to the sex celebs, take pictures, do whatever they want. Um, just hang out and have fun. So it's a learning experience, but it's also a fun experience. And it also can be a really phenomenal healing experience as well. Oh, okay. Uh, you had me at, yeah. at the same time. Which is the first yes. thing you said, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I know some people are like, but I want to go to this one, but I want to go to this one. How do I do? I'm like, well, you just got to gotta pick or get a friend and make sure y'all take lots of notes or something. So. Yeah, exactly. Just everyone in your I know, right? Yeah. Split up, go to different classes, take notes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Power exactly. numbers. Oh my goodness. Okay, that is that is incredible. I can't believe that even like I've never like before I was doing quite a bit of research and I've just this is a fairly new thing that's not really spoken a lot about here. And I can <laughs> tell everyone. <laughs> legit and it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna like get a little alberta yes 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 and so we are actually in the talks of right now of doing a uh toronto um event called sex on top so um it will be a so basically oh. it's kind of like sex down south but it would only be for a day so it'll be like a few workshops and night entertainment but it will only it's only going to be for for one day yeah Ah, oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely come check, check out the whole entire thing because that's it's a blast. Yeah. Make a trip out of it. I mean, I'd have to fly to Toronto. Yeah. Like, you know, a little bit longer. <laughs> okay. So this, so this, this like uh, conference could be really an event for anyone, right? Like, you oh, have no. To be no, this is for everyone. Yeah. This is for everyone, anybody, you know, who wants to learn more about sex and, you know, wants to learn more about themselves. Um, yeah, please. Yeah. Come on through. We have all sorts of workshops. We have, yeah, this year, I mean, everything from, you know, Tristan's like confronting whiteness class to, um, 
uh, within sex ed to like uh, youth in sex ed, HIV. We talk about blowjobs, you know, how to ride. <laughs> um, you talk about, there's like, you know, how to squirt. There's like all, all sorts of different workshops. Like you, you, you really can't leave. You'll know something. You will learn something about yourself or something by the time you leave sex out. So <laughs> I always learn something new. That's amazing. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> so last but not least, I do want to talk a little bit about your book that you um, co-wrote with Sex with Dr. Jess. And I just kind of want to hear your side of things, you know, like, how do you think that it's really going to connect couples with um, like, you know, yeah, so growing into it's it? really, so I'm so glad that Jess sort of brought me, not sort of, but Jess brought me on to do this book. And um, really framing the sexual, uh, the seduction learning styles as a way of a, basically sexual theory into how you are navigating your seduction and foreplay techniques. And excuse me, I think it's really important that, um, you know, folks, it's like not only for lovers, but it is also for single people too, right? Like it's a, it's a way to build awareness about yourself around like, what is seductive about you? What is anti-seductive? What are the ways that you like to feel? You know, how, how do you like to be, you know, how do you like your dirty talk? You know, what are some things that you can do? Like, these are all really just great tips um, on everything. And we like give lots of homework and like this book is basically like a workbook. Like <laughs> we have like the seduction instruction, like we have just like, which is like our version of homework. So we have just so many prompts, so many things to choose from. So I really think this book can help bring um, couples together because they can grow an awareness about themselves, about what they like, what they don't like, what they feel challenged in, um, but also can help spice up their sex life in the sense of, hey, we've never tried this technique. Let's try it. You know, this is what it says in the book. This is how we do it or blah, 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 and sort of modify their own versions of, of all these different sexual techniques. So I really feel that it can bring people closer together because it can help them spice up their sex life. And like I said, bring more awareness to themselves as well as to their lovers. Amazing. I cannot wait. Yes. <laughs> my, I'm waiting for my book to come. Because <laughs> I don't like listening to the audio versions and I don't have a Kindle. Yes, so yes. And we don't have an audio copy. version. We're supposed to be doing it soon. I don't know. They're, the publishers, uh, you know, they are, everything's slowed down right now. So um, hopefully we'll get that audio book yeah. up soon. But, you know. Oh, oh thanks. yeah. <laughs> Okay, Marla, I can't legit thank you enough for being a part of this podcast and taking this time to speak to my listeners. I know they gain so much from you and so have I, honestly. And you're a role model to me from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being a woman who speaks freely. Oh, about thank sex. you. That's very sweet. Yay. <laughs> so excited. Okay, well, thank you for having that's me. All she wrote. Yeah, thanks. Have a good